As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Four to Six with AMB is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know that Ohio State ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. You can also find great deals on Browns, Cavs, and Blue Jackets tickets. It doesn't get any easier than a two-tap checkout. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. The culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. Uh, the plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to the latest edition of Four to Six with A and B. I'm here with my main man Bill Landis. Haven't seen him for eight days during the football season. Is that too much? Too little? Like, how are you feeling about it? I uh, which which of the three bears in Goldilocks was always got the just right? Was that? It was just like the medium one, right? Yeah, yeah. Medium that, that was that was me the last week. Okay, but felt, felt eight like days a, is medium. Fit like a glove, you know. Eight days without seeing each other is like just right for That's you. A sweet spot, yeah. Okay, so you needed the eight it's day break. Nice, it's like a it's a nice recuperation time, um, and then you get back, and then there's like a real football game. We're good to go. Okay, but you're happy to see me then. Yeah, I was. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. I wasn't. What's the right, what's the right word? Uh. It's like jealous that bordered on annoyance that you got to get out of town when the snow came and go to. The hey man, desert. you 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 pushed it. Like I felt like no, I no, was, I know, yeah, I, I know, mean, I know, I know. I'm not saying yeah, yeah. yeah. bordered on annoyance. Well, yeah. I mean, it was nice to drive uh, 71 degree in palm trees all week while it was snowing here, Something and then I come back it. and it's yeah. 55. You know, yeah, I mean, it warmed up for you when you got here. Yeah, no, I mean, I I didn't complain. What's it like to have rose petals, but I do I do want to say. As fun as I had uh, on the West Coast getting recruiting trips, and I have more stuff coming this week, it was odd not being at the game. Yeah. And I think we'll start off the podcast by just kind of discussing, you know, watching it. I've only missed two games in 10 years. 
And um, I don't know if you want to call that a game or not, but I, I tried my best to not tweet much, just to sit there and just try to watch it the way a fan would and let you do your thing. And after the game was over, um, I read your stuff, um, really informative stuff from Piscataway, New Jersey. I listened to the press conference, and Dollar B had a follow-up there at the end, huh? Yeah. Just, uh, just there, well, there was a thing that I thought was interesting that nobody ended up asking about, so I wanted to make sure Ryan Day got asked about it. Um, but you had good stuff. Thanks, man. And I was trying to like kind of get a gauge of like how people were feeling after watching it. I had a bunch of people over at my house. Some were Ohio State fans, ironically enough. And they seemed very disappointed about the way Ohio State played on Twitter. People seemed disappointed about the way they played. It was the first time this year where it looked like Ohio State showed up to a football game and just didn't give a shit. And you can look at the stat sheet and you can say, well, they won by 50. Uh, Rutgers had no chance, but I think that Rutgers would have no chance regardless of what temperament Ohio State showed up as. So let me pose this first question to you, Bill. A, should Ohio State fans be disappointed? And B, was this the first time this year that Ohio State might have given you some pause as they go into the biggest game of their schedule? Uh, does this answer your second question? No. Um, the defense forced turnovers on the first two drives. The offense scored off both of them. They were up 14 nothing before you can blink your eyes. Um, the, off, the first team was up 42-7 to before they got out of the game. Was it the most crisp they've played all year? Certainly not. Um, I didn't really think they were all that sluggish. Rutgers scored a touchdown in the first quarter. They were, it's funny, the Rutgers is the first team this year to score a touchdown in Ohio yeah. State in the first quarter. Like, Tough Borland was in the gap, and he tripped over his own guy, and the guy ran for a touchdown. Like, shit happens. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I get it because you want Ohio State to look awesome. You want Ohio State to look like it's at its absolute best going into Penn State. Um, I don't really take much from, from what happened against Rutgers. I think if you want to be disappointed in anything um, – you can be disappointed in the idea that like the backups didn't play great. The backups were in there against Rutgers starters, which shouldn't matter anyway. And I don't think they looked all that good. But I thought the first team looked fine. You know, you didn't have Chase Young, you didn't have Baron Browning, you didn't have Jonathan Cooper, you didn't have Austin Mack. Uh, J.K. Dobbins got out of the game early. Justin Fields only played one series in the first in the second half. Um, I don't know. Like they were pretty vanilla. I thought on both sides of the ball, and I'm sure that was intentional. Uh, so. I get it. Like you, it, the, the the year's been awesome by every standard imaginable, and comparatively, this didn't look great. They won fifty six to twenty one. It was forty two to seven. That if the starters played the entire game, it would have been like eighty to seven. Sorry, they didn't cover the spread. If you're upset that you bet and you lost, I get that. I think that that might be a lot of people. I would have never touched that spread. I just wouldn't. It's a big number. Even the first if half sucks. spread was the number, and they yeah, messed up. Yeah, and like Garrett Wilson muffed yeah. the punt, and like yeah. whatever. Like that's a bad beat. I get like uh, that's certainly understandable if you'd be upset about that. Um, but I'm not gonna. I don't even know how you begin to nitpick when you're up 42 to seven before the starters go out of the game. So what I thought it was fine. I don't think it's about stats. I don't think it's about what the score was or who the opponent was. I think it was a general look in the. Just the way the team looked in general. You can get a feel for that. I can see why somebody might be like, well, it's six days before the biggest game of the year. What the hell are they doing out there? They got to be sharp. They got to be crisp. And, you know, I think when you're a team that's this good, it's just you're looking for something to be worried about. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, again, understandable. Because like you, like you said, you want you want them to look like they've, they're they're playing their absolute best going into these last two and what you hope are three games. Um I just don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't buy sluggish. I don't think. I don't. 
I don't think they were off. Disinterested? Maybe disinterested, but of course they would be. Um, I, I honestly can't imagine they spent even much time thinking about Rutgers last week because of what's coming down the road. Like, if this is your let-down, look-ahead kind of performance and you won 56-21. Yeah. Good timing to do it, too. That's pretty good to me. I don't know. Like, yeah. We've seen let-down, look-ahead performances before and what happens in those games. Granted, Rutgers is not capable of yeah. rising to that level to make Ohio State even sweat a little bit. But If Ohio State didn't practice or watch film, and this is the last we're going to talk about Rutgers all year <laughs> – because we spent a lot of time dumping on them last week. But if Ohio State didn't even practice and didn't watch film on Rutgers and just showed up to the stadium, what do you think the score could have been? 56 to 21. Yeah, <laughs> right? Like kind of what I think happened. <laughs> they didn't practice. <laughs> I mean, they practiced. No, I know. <laughs> uh, and the one other thing you wrote about after the game, but Tua, I don't think it matters anymore because now Ohio State is going to be playing games where you know, they're playing really good teams, and yeah. you just play Justin Fields, and you use him to the way that you need to use him to the full potential. There's no more need of when does he come out, when does he talk, you know, but protecting him. But it would have been the most ironic thing in the world if your star quarterback got his hand hurt because somebody stepped on his foot to help him up after a touchdown. Yeah. What did you think? What, what did you th- my thought on the entire thing this year is that I have no issue at all with how they've handled Justin Fields. I think they've actually handled it about as well as you can handle it in terms of pulling him out and playing him longer. I thought it's been handled well. Well, I don't know if you noticed this because I was at home um, and you weren't watching interviews and stuff, but they interviewed Nick Saban at halftime of the game. Did you ever end up watching that interview? Not. He goes, I don't worry about injuries. We just do what we need to do. And that's the way um, – Ryan Day said at the end of the beginning of the year that that's they were going to wait to handle it. And I think mm-hmm. as a football coach, when you're in the middle of a game plan or in the middle of a game, you don't really think about, well, what if he gets injured? I think you're just trying to accomplish what you want to accomplish. And I think they handled him great. Now, the one thing I will say is that Ryan Day's threshold for when a game is over <laughs> is a little bit higher than mine. Yeah. Like he's like, well, they were down 28 at halftime and. You know, if we would have gone three and out and they would have popped one in there, it would have been 21, and that's just not enough. It's like, it was enough. You know, and it's just, to me, like when when Justin Fields came out in the third quarter, I was just like, what, what are they doing? You know, but again, yeah. I understand when you talk about it the way that you talk about, he talked about it after the game and answered your question. It's like, okay, I get what you're saying, but like in reality, were they ever in danger of losing? Like, no, I mean, it's not. just, but, you know, in terms of... But I think you need to be consistent in your messaging, too. You know how... You, it's It can't be a results-oriented game. And I saw a lot of people um, talking about, like, how if you're blaming Nick Saban about the Tua injury that you are you already had your mind made up before he got injured that he was in too long and you're just trying to prove it. Mm-hmm. So you can't sit here and say, well, Ryan Day did perfectly because here we are going into the Penn State game, two games left in the regular season, and, you know, the guy's healthy. That's not the way it works. He could have gotten injured on the first play of any game. Sure. But, you know, he also seems to be – he got a ton of reps. He seems to be playing very well. That pass that he hit um, – which tight end Luke was it Farrell, on that one? Luke Farrell. Yeah. His last throw of the game, yeah. That pass was like an Aaron Rodgers throw. Really good. <laughs> I mean, like I when I saw that in my house, I was laying on my parents' leather couch, and I sat – I did an unintentional sit-up. <laughs> That was inc- that was a crazy pass. Yeah. Like it looked like he was throwing it away on TV. I don't know what it looked like. Um, not to go too much off of on a tangent, but he he's where I feel like Ohio State needed him to be going into the stretch. So 
I have no complaints either. Yeah, I guess my, my point about them handling it well is not like, see, he's healthy, it all worked. I, I'm just saying, like, throughout the year, I've never I've never really felt like he was out there needlessly. I, I, I actually thought it was good to put him out there at the start of the second, second half against Rutgers because, like you said, it wasn't the crispest game ever. Crispest? Is that a word? Cr- crispiest. Most crisp? Uh, crispiest. I'm a little sleep-deprived. I apologize. Um, crispiest. That's what happens when you drive to Rutgers alone and you don't have somebody really cool to keep you company i drove the ruckers just a side note i drove the ruckers uh i drove back i left philadelphia at four thirty in the morning on monday went to julian fleming's high school was there for a little bit and then drove to columbus and then went to the basketball game on monday night so uh, which also was like a what was more lopsided ohio state's Win over Rutgers or Ohio State? I looked down at the phone at the airport on my way home yesterday, and it was like twenty-eight to three. And I was like, "Which one was worse?" Yes, yeah, that's like not. We're not talking about hoops on this podcast, but just know that Stetson started the game one for twenty-four from the field, and that's how that. Like, and what was the first bucket? Was it a layup, or did they knock down a jumper? I think it might have been a three. Some guy was like zero for ten and kept shooting. It was great. <laughs> um. Anyway, what was I saying? You're talking about fields and where we are. Right. right I don't. I don't. I don't. My my point about them saying that they they've handled it well is is not that like the to after the fact say that see he's healthy and, and we're all good. It's it's that I've never felt like he was out there with with no point to him being out there. I think he needs to work. I made the point in the story that I wrote that he's now he still has fewer than 400 combined passing attempts and rushing attempts, which is not very much. Um, and the way I like kind of couch that, it's like times he has the ball in his hand with a decision to make. At the college level, he does not have a ton of those um, mm-hmm. experiences, and they're about to enter a stretch where he's expected to be a national championship caliber quarterback. I'm in favor of him getting work um, when it makes sense. And, and I the vast majority of those, there. the vast majority of those reps, Bill, are against teams incapable physically of doing anything about mistakes. Whereas the yeah. the margin for error if they play Clemson in the first round of the playoff is. Maybe there were picks that he throwed through this year that weren't picks because the other team wasn't good enough to pick them off. Yeah, I think this probably happened a few times. Yeah. Yeah. So this is uh, a good time to be listening to this podcast because, A, Bill has a velvety voice. And, B, I think Ohio State, I think I read the stat, is the only team in the country that has uh, top ten teams in both basketball and football. Is that the correct stat? I believe that is correct, yeah. And we have the best basketball beat writer um, in America with us right now. Brendan Quinn. Uh, <laughs> Bill, and you're listening to the football podcast, which is four to six with A and B. Uh, this is the free episode. We do two every week, a free one on usually on Mondays, Monday. I was like thinking about today's date. It's on Mondays and on Thursdays to give you a few days before um, the game on Saturday. And Thursdays is a subscriber only episode where we answer questions and engage with the subscribers. So we encourage you to join us on the subscriber side if you enjoy this podcast now go to www.theathletic.com slash four dash six said that perfectly 40 percent off and uh, you can read all of our wonderful stories and listen to bill's voice twice a week instead of once and for me eight days was not the sweet spot <laughs> eight days was far too long to hear your velvety voice um and uh we would appreciate it because we want you to be around bill now we're heading into yep. penn state week and I'm wondering, after watching the Indiana game on television, I got, you know, that was the one thing I did not mind. <laughs> lying around Being with able to watch games all day. chili dogs and just lying there. Um, they had chili dogs in the press box. I didn't eat they them did? for obvious reasons. I My mom them. made them, yeah. Um, yeah, Bill has to be careful about what he eats in the press box because 
he had a stomach bug in the national championship game in 2015, and he spent two and a half quarters in the bathroom in the national title game. <laughs> I spent more time in various bathrooms at uh, AT&T Stadium than I did in the actual press box. Or Bill covered the hell out of that game. I don't think he saw any of it. <laughs> he listened to the. Were you? Did you hear like the they updates? Had the radio going in the bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> I was taking notes. Um, but I did watch some of the Penn State game. And I don't know if Indiana is just legit, but Penn State looks... I watched the uh, Minnesota game. I watched the Michigan game, Michigan State game, and I watched the Penn State game. And when I watch them play as opposed to watching Ohio State, I feel like I'm watching it on YouTube playback half-speed mode. Yeah. And I'm not trying to be like... They just don't look fast or athletic. And Hamler is fast. I get it. You know, they have more better athletes than any other team on Ohio State's schedule. I'm not trying to act like they don't. But you get a feel for elite and below elite. And I think that Penn State is a full step behind the elite. I would agree with that. I think I was trying to think of this. And I, I, I guess I'm a little more familiar with our offensive personnel right now than I am their defensive personnel, Penn State's. But... Like, who on Penn State's offense right now scares you? It's Hamler and, like, maybe Fryermuth, the tight end. Yeah. And Hamler got hurt against Indiana. It sounds like James Franklin thinks he's going to play, but he got hurt in the first quarter of that game and didn't come back. So, like, if he's out, then I don't don't know how Penn State threatens Ohio State's defense at all. Hamler's the guy, if you remember last year, took that 93-yard slant to the house. Um, Sean Wade was covering, and I think it might have been – it was either Isaiah Pryor or Justin. And he was the one that tore Michigan apart, too, on national television. Yeah, he's really good. He's like – he's he's Rondell Moorish. Um, he may even be maybe a little bit – I don't know if he's better. Maybe maybe Rondell Moore's a little better. But anyway, he's very good. He's the, he's the most dynamic offensive talent Ohio he's State. He's an NFL play player. Year, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And if he can't play, that's a big deal. But I'll assume that he plays. But even beyond that, there's not like you. You always feared Barkley, even though Barkley actually didn't have always a great game against Ohio State. I, th- I think you feared McSorley more than you'd fear Sean Clifford right now. I think they've had a little bit better depth at receiver than they have at the moment. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, just watching, watching, especially the last two games, Indiana and Minnesota. I think there was a time in this season where people were looking at Penn State, and when I say people, I mean like sort of like the national media at large was looking at Penn State as a team like, oh, this this team looks like it might have the pieces to make a legitimate run at the playoff. And over these last two weeks, when they finally played some offenses with a pulse in particular, they have not looked that way. Um, and I was uh, impressed with Penn State's defensive speed before the last two games, and I'm a little less impressed with it now, especially in the secondary. The committee put them at four. If you're yeah. four in November, you are a legit national championship contender. Um, but it's like funny. I feel like in the discussion for deserving versus best team in the playoff, you know, they put Penn State at four, then they go ahead and they throw Minnesota in the top ten, and they lost the most predictable game on planet Earth. Like that was oh to Iowa, yeah. Like yeah. of course they lost that game, and. Um, now they're going to be uh, moving on down, but it, it, it's just I, – I just feel like you could break it down, and I, and I like the way you did that there. But you can just watch a game on television. I think that's what they mean by the eye test. You can just watch the game on television and know from top to bottom whether that team has the horses to do it. Have you felt – let me ask you this, because this spread's 18. First of all, what's your initial reaction to the spread being 18? Hammer time. I think Ohio State's going to beat them by a lot. I think we're sitting here thinking that we're going to get the first game 
of you know a good close high profile game in Ohio Stadium, and I think Ohio State's going to beat the crap out of them. So maybe this will be difficult for you because it's just hard to remember things. At least it is for me. Yeah. Do you remember at all what you felt about the talent discrepancy between these two teams the last few years when both the last two games were decided by a point and the one before that was decided by three points? I think in conference games, I always will say that Ohio State has a talent advantage. Um, but I feel like McSorley was scary. I think Barkley was scary. I don't think Penn State was sputtering quite as much just off the top of my head as they are the last few weeks. They're not coming in like they're coming in looking the part, right? And like a few weeks ago, they were kind of looking the part. Even when they kind of almost let Michigan back in the game there when they beat them, you know, they they, uh, to me, I thought they looked awesome. In the first half of the Michigan game, I remember you and I were in uh, Goshen, 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 Indiana, watching that game together, and I looked at you and I said, "Man, this team might have." You know what it takes to push them. Remember we were talking about it. Yeah, one of us thought that Penn State might might have won that game by forty two points, more than twenty four and a half. More points. than twenty four and a half. <laughs> that was two to one though. Um, now it's just like when I'm watching them, and I don't know if it's just recency bias because they ended up losing in Minnesota, or if Indiana losing by five and having a chance maybe at the end there to make things interesting. Changes my perception, but all of a sudden Indiana is really good. <laughs> I don't know. Well, yeah. But I, I just it is the eye test. They don't they don't look dangerous. I think that's a good way to put it. I think they don't look dangerous. And I, I've I've thought up until the last two weeks, I've thought like I've I've had this circled. It's like all right, no, like Wisconsin's a really good defense, but it just doesn't have the athletes. Um, sort of combined with its schematic sound structure, I think, to stop Ohio State. And, and that's probably true of Michigan State, too. But this this is a game I had circled, like looking at Penn State, like, okay, they have both. They have, a, they have a good scheme, they're a good defense, and they have really good players. And the last two weeks, and I think maybe like Michael Parsons didn't play against Minnesota, and he did play against Indiana, and I'm not sure if they've been missing other guys or not. Um, I haven't looked into it all that closely. But Indiana had six and a half yards per play. Minnesota had almost eight yards per play. Neither one of those teams are offensive juggernauts. That's the two best offenses Penn State's played this year, and and there was a drastic difference, in my opinion, in how Penn State looked on that side of the ball when it finally played two top fifty offenses. So, I don't know if there was like a, a little bit of of uh, misidentification on my part and a part of a lot of other people um, when we we're looking at Penn State's defense. It's still a defense that's number one against the run, but it's like eighty something, eighty fourth against the pass, I think. There's guys running free down the middle of the field in both these last two games for Indiana and Minnesota, and neither one of those teams has the athletes at receiver that Ohio State has. So I'm just like, I have a hard time envisioning how Justin Fields doesn't get the opportunity to play pitch and catch with his receivers all day against Penn State's defense. Do you think, do you buy into the idea that big game, Big Ten East on the line, college football playoff spot on the line, because both teams technically control their own destiny? Yeah, Penn evens the playing fi- evens the playing field. Just in terms uh-huh. of just like what is like cause sometimes, you know, you can talk about the rivalry with Michigan, and you can talk about the way things go on the field when emotions are involved. But you got to imagine after the meltdown that James Franklin had in the press conference last year about being elite, being elite. and regardless of what they did the last two weeks, they have a chance to be elite. If they beat Ohio State, and they win the Big Ten, and they get a playoff spot. That is an elite thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, in his mind, he should feel and does feel that this team has an opportunity to be elite. When you think about 
the fact that Ohio State is always the dragon at the end of the level that every Big Ten team that wants to accomplish bigger things has to slay before getting there. You know, we're, we're talking about week 10 now or week 11 um, or their 11th game and still having an opportunity to accomplish those things. I just wonder sometimes if you get that, like, rocky moment where you're running up the stairs. It's a Philadelphia reference. Yeah. Rocky is not real. They built a statue to a fake athlete. Want to uh, talk about that? Just I feel like you do. <laughs> I, have, I have opinions. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Just like they're, they ran up the stairs. They're, they're ready. i never seen Rocky, by the way. Neither have I. Um, you know what I'm what I'm getting at here, Bill? Do you think there's a? Yeah, I think I think that element exists here. Um, I'm trying to remember. I'm trying. I don't know. I'd have to go back and look at, at James Franklin's seasons at Penn State, and and this this has to be. I would imagine this is the regular season game with the most stakes that he's coached in since he's been at Penn State. Penn State. I know they beat Ohio State in 2016, and like that was a springboard to them eventually winning the league. But that game happened a little earlier. Um, and I don't think at the time it wasn't like, well, if Penn State wins this, look out. I think like that was a turnaround, and, and then everybody started paying attention after the fact. And they already had a loss outside of that, they, didn't they? I think they lost to Pitt, yeah, yeah. Um, and Michigan. Didn't they get killed by Michigan that year? Um, but that was a springboard for them, and that was a good year for James Franklin. Probably, he might have saved his job that year. Um, but this is a late-season game against the best team in your conference where you're very much alive to get to Indianapolis and then get to the, the College of Well In playoff. 2017, Bill, just because I pulled it up, Penn State was seven and zero, and it was October twenty eighth. Right. So that was a, that was a high stakes game. But I'm saying like yeah. this is this is like if you win this game, you're going to Indianapolis, and if you're going to they play Rutgers next week, I think. So like you're going to win next week, you're going to go to Indianapolis. This is a college football playoff. playoff quarterfinal. Just to make your point, hundred percent. Yeah. And I don't know, like it, it's I could be wrong, but I don't think James Franklin's ever been in this position this late in the season to win, to win a game like this. And. I have questions about how he handles big games, as I'm sure a lot of people do. I don't think I'm unique in that. Um, so I am. I'm kind of curious to see how his team comes out. Uh, I don't really have any doubts about whether or not Ryan Day's team will be ready, and maybe that's not fair because Ryan Day's never really been on the stage like this either. But it's just what they've done this year, and, and I obviously spend more time around Ryan. That that I he just I think and still inspires a lot of confidence that his team will be ready, and I don't I don't know. I think James Franklin at times has has like wilted in the moment, and I know they beat Ohio State a couple of years ago, and that was a big win. But they've also lost twice in the last two years to Ohio State in games they probably should have won. Bad choke jobs at the end of these games. Yeah, I mean, so not, I don't yeah. I don't like if you which which coach do you have more confidence in going into this game? The guy who's been doing it much longer, or Ryan Day? Well, I'll just take the players. <laughs> well, I think the I think the, yeah, pre- the, the, the coaches preparation matters. Yeah, yeah, preparation absolutely matters. Don't get me wrong, but I think it's easier to be a good coach when you have better players. And I, I just think that sometimes I'd like to know, like, if you could go stop time. Have you ever seen the movie Click? Mm-hmm. Just hit pause, and then like you could like look at it. I would love to know what Penn State looks like with day. And it's an impossible thing to know, but I would love to, to to think like, what do you think Ryan Day's record would be if he were the head coach of Penn State right now, from the beginning of the season? Do you think that they would be? I mean, probably similar. Similar. I don't yeah, they have won undefeated. Lost, you think they could beat Minnesota? Maybe, but maybe they would have lost like on the road to Iowa. Yeah, I have more confidence in Ryan Day because we saw one of the best coaches.
in Ohio State history leave, and then there seems to be an uptick in offensive imagination. This team has gone and was like was the first team in like since 1975 or something. They put handed out in the Rutgers stat sheet to win their first games by 25 or more points. Mm-hmm. The first 10 games. Like, they haven't been challenged. I haven't seen a season like this in my entire life at Ohio State when it comes to just blowing through a schedule, which means that these teams, this team has been sharp mentally and on task and motivated. And motivation, Myers' specialty is a huge proponent or a component, not proponent, component of coaching. And I think we've seen James Franklin do weird things in big moments. Like throwing a fade route to KJ Hamler, who's five foot nine, with the game on the line against Minnesota. Like I don't think we've seen any boneheaded plays, play calls like that from Ryan. Nor has there been an opportunity to make a big time play call because they've never been in a close game. But like as things stand right now, you're talking about a coach who's won his first ten games in blowout fashion. Um, seems to have a new wrinkle every week, or does something that the other team's not you know expecting. Uh, maybe they'll line up in the wing tee against Michigan. Um, and I think that that's – if you have questions about James Franklin, and I think like making fun of James Franklin on Twitter has become a weekly thing in big games, um, why would you take the person that's shown things that makes the entire internet question his ability to coach in big games over somebody who's never been even touched? Yeah, just, even ex- if, just experience. Yeah, experience is big, you know. And in ten – in five years, maybe Ryan Day will, you know, will look at him differently. But just based on the knowledge that I have right now, if I had to go win one football game and I had a week to prepare for it, and it was a big-time football game based on what I've seen from James Franklin's teams the last few years, um, especially against Ohio State, I think I would just blindly take Ryan Day. What about you? Yeah, I think I would too. Uh, the, the the missing piece here that we just don't know and we're, we're assuming an awful lot about, and rightfully so, is is how Ryan Day actually performs under pressure. I understand like the, there is pressure inherent in his job. He has to win every game, and he seems to handle that very well. But like, what's the most pressure-packed moment that he's had to make a decision There's since been he's no been a pressure. head coach? There's been no moment in the game where he has to make the right play to win a game, the right, right call to win a game, or do something to get control of the game. Ohio State has been winning by so much so fast, he's been relaxed in the second half all week, all year. Yeah, I mean, I guess like like late second quarter or maybe early third quarter against Wisconsin is like the closest thing they've come to it. Would be up like ten seven, I think, or seventeen seven, something like that. Yeah, I think Wisconsin got within three in the third quarter, didn't they? Like block a punt and then score a yeah, touchdown. Score a touchdown, yeah. and then like Ohio State came back. And I think it scored, and that was it. Like that, that, and that's like that's not a nothing moment because you know the weather was crappy. Wisconsin's on a bad team. That was a big game at the time. Um, so that's that's not nothing. I'm not trying to dismiss that totally, but I'm talking like. You know, these have both of these games. The last two years have been one point games. The fourth quarter in 2017 was absurd, and I guess it does matter that Ryan Day was around for both of those games. He was the offensive coordinator in 17 when they figured out something in the fourth quarter, and JT Barrett was shredding up that defense, and they won. And he was the offensive coordinator last year when uh, they discovered the screen pass and started throwing mm-hmm. in the ball to J.K. Dobbins and found ways to move the ball and, and won by a point there as well. So. I guess you can't dismiss that either, but but being the the lead guy, having to make far far reaching decisions is is a little different, and he has not been in that position in the fourth quarter. And I don't know. I'm a little torn on this pick at the moment, to be honest. I, I don't know if I think he's going to be in those moments or not on Saturday, but I am still curious about how he would handle himself when he finds himself in those situations. Maybe it won't happen this year. Maybe they'll blow out everybody by 40. Um, but I also think it's a little dangerous to just assume, like, oh, yeah, he'll get it figured out if they ever encounter that. 
yeah, I think you're right. Um, does the fact that this game's at noon change anything for you? I know that this has been a topic mm. all year, um, and the fact that Fox has done a good job of staggering their games so that there's more eyeballs on their big-time matchups, but, like, if this game were at Penn State, I feel like I would have a completely different feel on, like, what to expect. For if this sure. game were under the lights, I feel like I would think differently about it, but the fact that it's just, like, a noon game in Ohio Stadium and, and like, these teams are just going to have to line up and play um, at noon without all the hype and all the build-up and all the stuff that inherently comes with a night game. Yeah. I feel like that is more... It gives me more of an inclination to think Ohio State's just going to take care of business because for all the times that the last two years where Ohio State's needed a touchdown or something big in the fourth quarter to beat Penn State after crazy, miraculous comebacks, they've also had a few games where they just kick the crap out of them. Yeah, so I, I wrote down the scores of the last couple of games. So yeah, this, this is since, since, since 2012 when Urban got here. Uh, 27-26 Ohio State last year, 39-38 Ohio State in 17 Twenty-four, twenty-one, Penn State in sixteen, and then you had a blowout, thirty-eight, ten in twenty fifteen, which I think this game could end up looking like uh, thirty-one, twenty-four, Ohio State in fourteen. That was a double overtime game. Sixty-three to fourteen in twenty thirteen was the one that got really out of hand, um, and then thirty-five, twenty-three in twenty twelve, where there was a game where Braxton had that crazy run. Yeah. So yeah, there have been blowouts. It's not like it's not like one. But one in the game, last year, all those games, games or the last the few years, they've all been good. So maybe it's kind of dumb to think that they're going to roll them. But I also think this is the best team that Ohio State's had since 15, 14. Um, they can have a debate about whether too. or not yeah. they're as good as 15 because of the way that they looked in 15. But I think in general, they're from top to bottom, their offense and defense are both awesome. I have confidence in the game plan. I have confidence in the coaching staff to get this team ready um, to match up perfectly. Yeah, I just, I just, it's, it seems like this team is clicking on all cylinders in a way that I haven't seen before. And as the year goes on, it goes well. This team's awesome. This team is awesome. Every week, there comes a point where it's just like you just expect it now, you know. And if Ohio State beat Penn State twenty-four to twenty on Saturday, that would be a fantastic win for them. Yep. But like, is it weird that I'm sitting here thinking they're going to win forty-two to twenty? No, I don't think that. I don't think I'd go that high, but I don't think you're off. I mean, the spread's eighteen, so like, yeah, clearly there are people who think it could could get that out of hand. I'll be curious to know. Um, I'm going on the the dear old state podcast. It's our Penn State podcast with uh, Audrey Snyder and Matt Brown later this week on Thursday, and I'm wondering. I'm going to ask them when I go on there because you just mentioned it. Like this is this is unquestionably Ohio State's best team since 2015, and. I think even that will be up for discussion after the fact, like which of those teams is actually better. I don't know how this Penn State roster stacks up to what James Franklin's had the last couple of years. I don't know if people think it's better or worse or, or whatever. Obviously, he has more of his recruits there, and he's been recruiting for a while. So the team looks more like what he wants it to look like. And the man can recruit. The man can recruit. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll ask Audrey and Matt um, when I go on there later in the week what they think of, of this roster compared to the roster the last few years when Penn State played Ohio State close. Because I don't know, I don't have a great feel for what the gap is. Obviously, there's a gap because there's a gap when Ohio State plays anybody in the Big Ten, but I don't really know how wide it is. Eighteen points is a pretty large spread. It's a lot. I mean, for a game like this. Yeah, like I don't know. I guess we usually give score predictions on this podcast, right? I don't think we've done it the last couple of weeks because it hasn't. Score mattered. predictions um, was usually the Friday podcast or the Thursday podcast, but we can. Hey, we're the we're the pilots here. If you want to give one, then give one. I don't know. I I don't think it's going to be a one point game. 
my my gut says like thirty eight to twenty four. Like mostly comfortable. It's a game in the second half, but Ohio State pulls away at the end. But it's the most competitive game that they will have had all year. Um, I just don't. I don't. That's I what it's supposed to be. I can't really get myself to like forty-two to twenty. But I, I'm not saying that's not off the table. It's actually not that big of a difference. No, I know yeah. forty-two just seems like a lot. They're capable of it. Yeah, I was going to say they're like, going to have to think about what it takes to keep Ohio State under forty. I think they're going to have to throw the ball. Ohio State is going to have to throw the ball. And maybe we've said this before and it actually didn't happen. I feel like we say this all the time. I feel like Ohio State's going to have to throw the ball to win this game, throw it effectively to win this game. What's your confidence level in their passing offense at the moment? High. Yeah, mine's pretty high. I think they've shown the last couple weeks some new wrinkles. They've attacked different areas of the field. Um, They worked on the deep ball against Rutgers, and and it looked okay for the most part. Fields and Olave connected on a couple of them. Um, I worry a little bit about protection. Although that was, I mean, that was better, but Maryland and Rutgers stink. Penn State is a decent pass rushing team. Um, it's a decent third down team. Fields has been okay on third down. His numbers are okay on third down. His numbers under pressure are a little less okay, but but mostly fine. Um, I don't know. I'm curious. I, I wonder if no one's really bothered Justin Fields, and I'm wondering if Penn State might be the team to actually bother him. And, when, and if they do, what that looks like. Maybe he'll just run for 150 yards and it won't matter. Yeah, they're supposed to bother him. Nobody's bothered him. I will say that he's leaps and bounds ahead of where I thought he'd be um, as a passer. And he dropping in that pass to Luke Farrell on Saturday is kind of another illustration of it. I think the receivers get open. The ball's usually delivered. They seem to have good timing, uh, good hands, not a lot of egregious drops. And they've just got the athletes and a lot of them. I, I, I'm trying to like imagine like what is it going to take to keep Ohio State from scoring 30 points in a football game. Yeah. Ohio State is favored by more against Penn State than they were against Nebraska. Is that right? 17. Oh, yeah, that is right. That's kind of crazy. Maybe that was before Ohio State got figured out. And it was before Nebraska got figured out. Yeah, but it's certainly possible to turn an eight. Like, it's like to me. The general public is going to be like eighteen points in this matchup. Give me the points. What What is your What's your how your level of alert for the, that being a trap? Remember we the other that? way. Like, yeah. I think if I had to put my money down on Ohio State, I would take. I would give the point. I'd lay the points. I think what's going to happen is you're going to see people grab the points because it's three touchdowns. And the spread might have gone down a point already. Yeah, the spread is going to be fourteen and a half or fifteen on Saturday, and Ohio State's going to cover the fifteen. That's my general take on this. Yeah, I think I'd buy that. I'm going to go. I'll go on the record with my picket at thirty-eight twenty-four. We're not supposed to gamble on Ohio State. Correct. You could lose your job. I don't know if that's true. That's just something somebody told me a long time ago. And I, I don't just, think for. Uh, objective purposes i don't think you should yeah i don't know if i'd get fired if i did but what i was going to tell you is i was rooting for penn state to beat minnesota because i wanted this game to be bigger i wanted people to get juiced up i wanted oh yeah for sure the losing to minnesota took a little air yeah yeah Yeah. and i was thinking to myself at the time if penn state beats minnesota 
and then turns around and beats Indiana and Penn State tricks the world into making that spread less than 10, I'm going to jeopardize my career by betting on Ohio State minus 10 or minus 9. Now, obviously, that didn't happen because Penn State ended up losing and the world found out sooner. And now it's double what I thought it could be. But there was a time, Bill, where we thought the spread could be less than 10, right? Yeah, I was. I thought there was a time where it would be like a touchdown. Yeah. And if it were a touchdown, I would – what would you – I mean – I would take Ohio State if it was a touchdown. I would take Ohio State anything less than probably 14. And then I would start thinking about 18 gets to be tricky because – you need three touchdowns. Yeah. John Hayes, our producer, chiming in with some stats. 66% of the money is in Ohio State. 58% of the tickets. Oh, wow. Where's his money? I don't know. You can find him on Twitter. Ask him. At John Hayes on air. Yeah. This is 4-6 to six with A and B. Uh, Bill Landis, Ari Wasserman here. Your favorite, your best, your most amazing, your most breathtaking Ohio State podcast. Wow. That's called an oversell. Please believe me. Please subscribe to The Athletic, www.theathletic.com slash 4-6 to get 40% off. Uh, you'll get this podcast on Thursday when it's a subscriber-only podcast. And, of course, you'll get all of our work. We're working really hard right now to bring you a nice mixture of basketball, football, mostly football, mostly and football, football recruiting stories on there. And I think you'll like it. So if you like this podcast, please consider joining our uh, our big group. I feel like we're get to know a lot of the subscribers and I, and I really appreciate all of them and I know you do too Bill I do some guy yelled at me from the stands at Rutgers and he tweeted at me and I apologize hey Bill it was like uh, I felt like uh, Ringo Starr there for a minute Bill gets noticed a lot in public I'm I've tall. noticed I'm tall I, my head just sticks out above everybody else's that's all it is he got noticed in a rest stop in Iowa that was weird that was unexpected because I saw that guy coming from very, very far away. I was like, is he going to walk over to us? We got noticed, not I got noticed. You got noticed. noticed. He didn't know who I was if I was alone. He's There's like, no way he would have known who I was. Yeah. Maybe he said, are you, you do son. that podcast? He said, do you do that podcast? And I said, And yeah. he said, yeah, we do. And he's like, who the hell is this freaking guy? Sorry. They wanted, they wanted Bill and only Bill. I mean, can you blame him? No, I can't. So you're too much of a wuss to give a spread? I mean, to give a... I said 38-24. Is that your final That's answer? I'm on the record, 38-24. This was supposed to be more fun. I'm kind of disappointed. What do you mean? We're at the middle of November. This game was supposed to be more fun. Big Ten Network's coming. Fox is coming. Game Day's no, coming. Things coming. I remember when you and I were at Cleveland.com, we'd pick losses like every third week. <laughs> like I, just, I did like, say, like I will, I will, like I picked Ohio State to lose one game at the start of the season, and I said it would be this one. Yeah. Um, I also said, at least I think I did. If I didn't, I'm saying it now. I reserve the right to change my mind. Um, so I'm changing my mind on this. If you want to give me crap for that, I guess go ahead. But uh, preseason predictions mean nothing. And if you. Could be 100% correct on preseason predictions all the time. You would be living in Las Vegas, and you'd have a cigar in your mouth right now, right? I would, yeah. Cigar's going to be By your pool? I would have, yeah. Yeah. You picked them to go 11-1. I did. I thought this was the game. We established like, pretty early on that we'd change our mind to 12-0. but Yeah. We both picked 11-1 and at the end of the year, and even that seemed homerish. Yeah, yeah. 
I think so, compared to some other comparisons that were out there. Yeah. But I think everybody unanimously changed it to 12-0 and 0 like three or four weeks ago, maybe a month ago, maybe even two months ago. I mean, it was apparent since the Cincinnati game to me that this team was special. I think if you go read the column I wrote off the Cincinnati game, I think you would like see that like Mr. Negativity, that people think I am, was like beaming with like, holy crap, this team has it. And it's just like, you know, Cincinnati was Cincinnati, but like I feel like you could, again, you can tell when watching it, and sometimes you can't even articulate based on stats and numbers, and those are the same thing, and scores, how to really explain why you feel that way. But just looking at it, you just get a sense of this team is special. Can we uh, – so you and I both think they're going to win. Yeah. Can we explore an alternative? Yeah, sure. If Absolutely. If they lose and it's close and they beat Michigan, yeah, here we go. can I've, they get in? I thought this was going to be the entire topic of the Michigan week because if Ohio State beats Penn State, then we're going to discuss how – should Ohio State rest their starters against Michigan? If Ohio State beats <laughs> Penn State and loses Michigan and wins the Big Ten, they're, they're definitely in. They're going to the playoff, yeah. If It'll they the lose to Penn in- State and don't go to Indianapolis but beat Michigan, do you think they can still get in? Yeah, but I think Penn State would have to lose in the Big Ten championship game. Unless you think they're going to take two Big Ten teams. I think it'd be hard to take two Big Ten teams unless like something happens and Oregon and Utah both lose. They both would have to lose before the championship. Yeah. Or one would have to lose, and then the one that lost would have to beat the one-loss team. Yeah, They'd have to have the winner. Here's the thing. Clemson's in. Unless they lose some freak game. I mean, what's the toughest game left on their schedule? Clemson? Do they play a team that could even compete with them? No. You can go look it up. Their their schedule is part of my French. Dog shit. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how else to describe it. Clemson, um, are they off this week? I don't know. Probably. It doesn't matter if they are or not. Clemson is off this week because, of course, they are. Okay. And they play South Carolina at the end of the year, and then they'll play the ACC championship. And I don't know... Uh, at the moment, the ACC leaders are Clemson in the Atlantic and Virginia in the Coastal. Okay. So Clemson's in. <laughs> and if Clemson's in, we're going to go ahead and give a spot to LSU, right? And LSU... I think LSU, if it, I think LSU could lose to Georgia in the and ACC still get in. And still get in. So is either LSU has a spot or two SEC teams have a spot. Pick your poison. Then you have a third spot for a Big Ten team, and then you have the Pac-12 champion probably. Alabama's out, in my opinion, especially now that two is gone. Yeah. LSU has Arkansas this week and an A&M so, last week. Maybe A&M will be a tricky game for them. I know that people like to give credit to teams for beating A&M, even though I still feel like A&M is the middle-of-the-run team. A&M and Auburn, perfectly average, propping up everyone else in the SEC. Yeah, but what would the scenario be? Penn State, Penn State beats... That's the thing that's crazy. If Penn State beats Ohio State, it would be like wins Clemson, their last game yeah. against Rutgers, goes to the championship, and then loses to Minnesota again. If Minnesota's in it, then Minnesota would be a one-loss Big Ten champ, and maybe they would go. Yeah, I think the scenario would be, like, so Clemson is in, LSU wins the SEC, LSU is in. Then I, I don't think anyone else from the SEC would be in. And then it, and then it's like, you say Penn State wins out, wins the Big Ten. Penn State's in. And then it's like, would you take a one-loss Ohio State whose only loss is to the team that won its conference and it beat the shit out of everybody else over Oklahoma, Utah, yeah. Oregon? I think you could. It's never happened. Like they've, there's never, like we said it a million times, a one-loss conference champ has only ever missed out once, and it was when Notre Dame went undefeated last year. And that one-loss conference champ 
got its butt kicked by Purdue. Um, I don't think it's impossible. Like I'm not trying to do the thing where like to prepare people. No, it's not. In case, it's not in case they lose, that like this is where we're going to go with it. But you know what I'd like to know if we're making up like fake playoff scenarios, and it took us way too long to get to this point in the podcast. My favorite thing to do. But if Ohio State loses to Penn State, beats the crap out of Michigan, and then Penn State wins out and then loses, wins out the regular season and loses to Minnesota, mm-hmm. if they would take a one-loss Ohio State over the conference champion that they didn't play. Possibly. I, I mean, think especially that's if, a possible if scenario. Wisconsin, if it's a Wisconsin team, then Penn, No, no, what if it's beat? Minnesota? I think, oh, I think there would be a chance that Ohio State could get chosen over the Big Ten West I if think they so win too. the champ. I think it'd be an easier decision if it's Wisconsin because Ohio State would have already played yeah. Wisconsin. It's a little it's a little more difficult if it's Minnesota. Because I think it's I just like I was watching this, and I'm going to ask, I think, about this on the call later. But it's like, did Minnesota really deserve to be number eight like in the country? Like, Were they supposed to be up there? Like I know they beat was, Penn State. Minnesota but was like, up that high because you had Penn State so high. and like. How far were you willing to drop like how, Penn State? How high can you put a team when the rest of the world knows they're fraudulent? I'm not saying Minnesota isn't a good team. I'm not even saying Minnesota can't make it to the Big Ten Championship. I'm not even saying that Minnesota couldn't give Ohio State a game. That's giving them the benefit of the doubt. But what I am saying is the entire world knew they weren't the number eight team in the country. And they put them there, and then, they got, and then the second they made it there, they lost. Which is the most predictable thing on earth and it's just like are we going to keep playing this game because like ohio state fans in general on one flip of the coin go does resume matter are they gonna are they always just gonna go by eye test but it's also like what do you think is more important like knowing in your heart if the team's number eight in the country or just giving them credit for their schedule everybody knew that minnesota wasn't number eight and the second they had a chance to go prove it as the number eight team they lost to an unranked team, or is, is Iowa? No, Iowa's uh, ranked. They're ranked 17 or something. Yeah. Some weird innocuous ranking that doesn't matter because they're an average team. Minnesota's or not Iowa. the number eight team in the country. They're just not. Yeah. Well, the problem was that, like Penn, and it's all hindsight, but Penn State probably shouldn't have been ranked fourth either. Yeah. So you 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 backed yourself in a little. The fourth bit of ranked there. team in America is not an 18 point dog to anybody. Just not. If I if, if I were the committee, you know what I would do. I would take all the Las Vegas ranking or uh, Las Vegas future lines that they create, you know, at the end of the year when they say, here's what neutral field spreads would be. And I would just pick the four with the closest spreads. Do you think it's. Yeah. So Penn State will be Penn State will be eighth. They'll just will will Penn State jump back in front of Minnesota. Probably. Now that Minnesota lost or they think they'll just keep it the same. Might Oklahoma jump Penn State and Minnesota because Oklahoma beat Baylor. Last week Maybe, it was yeah. last week it was not that it matters. I'm just curious what Penn State might be ranked this week. Minnesota was eight, Penn State was nine, and Oklahoma was ten. I Oklahoma it, beat an undefeated team. Yeah, and they were getting killed and had to come back to do it. But yeah. it was an impressive comeback. Yeah, I could see I could see Minnesota and Penn State dropping a spot and, and Oklahoma hopping over both of them. I mean, when's Oklahoma going to get back into the conversation? Because the Big Twelve has to have a representative. It's like, I don't know if the committee thinks this way, but you have the SEC represented at the top. You have the Big Ten represented at number two. You have the ACC represented at number three. And then you have the Pac-12 and the Oklahoma. And then Oklahoma, and then you can get the rest of the teams that are. I mean, I think that makes sense. I'd probably put a – Oklahoma would beat Penn State and Minnesota, in my opinion. Yeah, maybe. I think it'd be close. I think there's. I think they're similar teams. Really? Yeah. I think that Utah and 
Oregon are more similar to Penn State than Oklahoma's. Oklahoma's defense, I think, is average, and its offense is not what it's been the last couple of years because Jalen Hurts isn't as good as Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield. Yeah, by all that. Ohio State's in out. Yeah. Playoff stuff is, is very interesting. But I, I am very curious and excited next week to write about stories about the Ohio State-Michigan game that might not matter. Yeah, well, you get the really you'll get the dive in really to your uh, the question you posed on Twitter a couple weeks ago. I think it would you think be it's a, a story. I think it could be. Yeah, who would you ask? I don't know. I know you don't like doing stories where you talk to fans, but I think it's an interesting idea to explore. However, you'd like like to do it. Maybe we can just do it in the podcast form. I don't know. But. They're going, assuming that they win, they're going to be in a position where the Michigan, outcome of the Michigan game really doesn't matter to their long-term goal of winning a national championship. I'd like to know when the last time that happened was, if ever. I can't imagine it's ever happened at the BCA. It hasn't happened since the playoff started, and I, like, I can't imagine a scenario where that would be the case in the BCS era. Because losing, losing late in the BCS mattered. Yeah. Both of us are, are kind of quiet, just like pondering that because it's odd. And that, you know, what is so funny is like I was like after I said that, Ohio State fans would rather make the playoff than lose to Michigan. I came back and I put that poll up on Twitter, and it was a landslide. Yeah, that I was wrong. I'm not convinced that I'm wrong. I think I'm you convinced should, by the way that I rephrase, rephrase the question, and I'm also convinced by what people are overcome by emotion in that moment yeah it'll be interesting to ask them next week because the, the thing about it is is that yeah. if ohio state wins they're going to the playoff and if they lose they're going to the playoff they're still going to pick win they're beat michigan i think because even if they lose they don't have yeah. to face the consequence of it you know what i mean i feel like you have to you have to face you have to pose these questions in the face of danger there is no danger next week other than Ryan Day losing his first Michigan game. Which you if are, Ohio State beats Penn State. You yeah. are judged by like I was I went to uh after the Rutgers game, I went to uh a diner with uh Doug Maurice and them boys. Oh no. And uh what'd you get? I got a uh pork roll egg and cheese, you know, pork roll, Taylor Ham. I don't they don't have it here, but it is Pork roll? It's an East Coast delicacy. Yeah. I don't know what that is. It's not, they don't. I, I can't even begin to explain it to you. Just know that it, you would like it if you ate it. What is it? Just, it's like you, a breakfast meat, but it's not. I don't know. I can't. Is it in bread? It. What do you mean? Is it in bread? It, no. It's it, pork roll. Is its own food. It's a meat. It's called pork roll. Oh, I meat. thought I was envisioning like a stuffed croissant or something. No, no, no. Oh. So the pork roll, egg okay. and cheese on the Kaiser roll. Um, it was okay. It was fine. But that's like my go-to breakfast sandwich. Those diners have the best pancakes. Those East Coast got pancakes. I got that. Doug got a uh, uh, open faced turkey sandwich with no gravy because he's a psychopath. And how do you eat uh, the turkey with uh, his fa- with the fork? Yeah. Ugh. Um. Come on. Uh, Stephen Means got a burger, and uh, Nathan that- Baird got a classic tuna melt order, which, which I respected. I'm not a big tuna melt guy, but if you're in a diner, it's a good choice. Yeah. Um, but we were talking about next week's game, and Doug made a good point that, like, in the end, it's different if you have a ring. But I still think ultimately in the end, how you were judged here as a coach comes back to how you did against Michigan. And I understand the idea of holding up the national championship trophy and getting to use the word undisputed 
is probably the best feeling in the world for a fan. And, yeah. like, you don't want to hold up the national championship trophy at the end of the year and then Michigan go, yeah, well, we beat you the year you won a national championship. I understand that that's, like, a, a thing that would bother you. Because sports and rivalries are about bragging rights. And you don't want your rival telling you to beat you the year that you won it all. I get it. I get it. But didn't But I think you would rather win it all than than not. What are you looking up over there, Dollaby? I'm trying to look up uh I thought there was a time where like didn't like Jalen Hurts do something where like he they lost a Did Alabama lose to Auburn and then win a national championship? I can't remember. I thought there was something where like Jalen Hurts had to wear an Auburn jersey, but like he wore it and held the national championship trophy. And it was like I don't know. Which of the like, if you're an Auburn fan, do you get more enjoyment out of him wearing the jersey, or is this thing of him holding the national championship trophy override that? Thoughts are percolating. Maybe I'll like go into the concourse if Ohio State's beating Penn State by a lot in the second half and ask fans that question. Yeah, it was two years ago. Yeah, yeah, okay. Two years ago, Auburn Auburn beat Alabama, but Alabama got into the playoff, and then Alabama won. And then Jalen Hurts had to wear an Auburn jersey, and then he picked up a backpack and put it over his shoulder, and in the backpack was a national championship trophy. This has happened before. Yeah. And the rest of the country doesn't care. It's just about the rivalry. Yeah. But being a national champion is a national champion in the system. And a fan, I think, would would you rather be a national champion or would you re- and lose to Michigan, or would you rather beat Michigan and let's not make table, the playoff? Let's table it for next week. Let's okay. see how this game goes. We can talk about that next week. It's we're already game. assuming that Ohio State's going to win, which I think kind of gives you an idea of where we're, our minds are we're at. We're not taking it one game at a time. We don't take it one game at a time. We're not on the team. So when Ohio State loses this week, people will come back at us and tell us it was our fault. Yeah. Ohio you should have studied more this film podcast. this week, Bill. I study film every week. Want to check tape? So do you want to tease your podcast appearance one more time on the Penn State pod real quick? Yeah, I'll be on Dear Old State on Thursday with Audrey Snyder and Matt Brown uh, to do a little more in-depth Penn State, Ohio State preview. Is that going to be before we tape ours or after? We'll probably tape ours right after. Okay, good, because I want to talk about what you learned from them on that question you have to ask. Yeah, This is 4 to 6 with A and B. Thank you so much for listening to the free episode wherever you get your uh, podcast, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify. Is there one I'm forgetting? SoundCloud. No, SoundCloud. SoundCloud. <laughs> YouTube. <laughs> FM radio. If you like the show, and we hope you do, please subscribe, rate, and review. We need those reviews. We need those ratings. We need to continue to legitimize ourselves. We are reporters who cover the team. I think we have good insight. And, of course, what we really need is your love. So please do those things. And if you really want to make us happy... Go to theathletic.com slash 4-6, 40% off your athletic subscription. You get me, you get Bill, you get the second podcast every Thursday, and you get the rest of the sports world with a lot of fantastic writers on the athletic platform. Thank you so much for listening. We will be in touch with you guys on Thursday for the subscriber-only questions podcast, and then, of course, coverage into the weekend. Thanks so much for listening, and my sign-offs are awkward, so have a good day.